Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. These podcasts are designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host for the show. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor and designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Today, we are in the uh, eighth of a 10-part series on everyday strategies. This is um, episode eight in a 10-part series on everyday strategies how you can help teach, how teachers can become their personal best, and strategies that help teachers help students become their personal best. I've said it uh, in the um, other episodes of this series. There are links in the description of each episode, and those links will take you to resources that will help you in dealing with uh, uh, or in helping students become their personal best and how you can become your personal best. So do click on the links. Some of the resources are free. Some of them cost a few dollars, but the bottom line is they are worth having. And you can get a lot more at uh, www.bullyproofclassroom.com. This podcast is being broadcast on that website as well. So sit back. Here we go. We're gonna. We are covering uh, episode eight. This is the eighth in a ten-part series. How we can help teachers and students become their personal best. Okay, let's take a look at this first um, strategy for this episode. It's actually strategy 21. Celebrate benchmark achievements. First of all, some kids don't even know how to set goals. And they certainly don't know when they've mastered certain material. What we want to do is we want to help students become respectful and be respectful for individual achievements. If the class finished a chapter on long division and everyone did well on the test, recognize the group with a token of appreciation. Maybe like a little pizza party or by giving them a written thank you note. Something that helps the students realize 
that they've achieved something, a benchmark achievement. Don't go overboard, but do reward their efforts and let them know that you appreciate how much time they put in and how hard they worked in in, um, achieving a certain goal related to your content area. Strategy 22, accept and encourage constructive feedback from your students. Sometimes students will make suggestions that make sense. You know, they may be aware of their own learning style or how they comprehend different information. Now, you want to avoid suggestions or comments that are personal or insulting. Like some kid might say, you're the worst teacher I ever had. I mean, that doesn't even um, require an answer or a comment. You know, but sometimes, you know, you may want to say when a kid says, hey, you know, I'm having trouble understanding what you're teaching. You may say, what can I do to improve? Now, years ago, what I did is I gave each student out a sheet of paper. And this was about halfway through the school year. And I asked the students, you know, in formal form, what do you want me to stop stop doing? What do you want me to start doing? And what do you want me to continue doing? This was a great activity that I did with some of my classes when we came back after a holiday recess, you know, like a winter recess where you come back in January. And then you you tell them, look, this isn't for you to write down, stop giving homework or something like that. Be realistic. I'm looking for help and I want to do whatever I can do to help you as well. So make some suggestions. And take the time to review them. And if you have to make adjustments, make them. The kids will recognize it. You'll build greater respect in your classroom. Strategy 23. Find out what really motivates your students and use it to encourage academic production and appropriate behavior. Now, kids are motivated by a lot of stuff. Some by food, some by free time, and some are motivated by grades. Other students are motivated to improve because of concern they might have regarding a phone call home, having their name placed on a chalkboard, that's at the very elementary level, or loss of points on a behavior card. We want to know this. Discover what's going to motivate them. Sometimes it seems like manipulation, but we base life on a series of gains and losses. So a kid in his head has to think, what am I going to gain? What am I going to lose if I do the right thing here? Children and adults will always evaluate their actions and consider the following two questions before they act. What am I going to get out of this? And what am I going to lose if I don't do what I'm supposed to do? That's life. And that's what we want to teach the kids. Strategy 24. Teach your students how to solve problems on their own level. You know, if you're an elementary teacher, you know how often students come up to check to see if they're on the right track while working on assignments. Students also like to make reports about the problems they are having with other students or sometimes just to rat out someone when they don't like who they don't like as a means of revenge. This goes back to the idea, you know, make kids feel connected, make them feel contributing. Speak to your class about working on assignments independently first 
and help them understand that they have to solve the problem. If they're having difficulty with other kids, help them solve the problem with other kids. Help them work on it. This builds resiliency, gives them the confidence to solve problems going forward on their own. All of this is important. Every bit of it is important, and we should teach kids this. Resiliency is just a matter of being able to bounce back after you've had a problem. Bounce back when something went wrong. Bounce back when you didn't get a good grade. Not wallow in your own pity or say that, you know, I I can't deal with it anymore. But kids need instruction in this area in order to be able to do it. And you need to help them build that confidence. You know, I've often said in the area of bullying, you know, with kids who become frightened of other kids or frightened of other situations, you only have to be brave for two minutes at a time because the situation will pass. And once you show some bravery and show some courage, what will happen is you'll develop the confidence to be able to enter into those situations again. But kids have to be taught this, and you need to work with them through it, not expect them to do it on their own right off the bat. 25. Try try using integrative learning. Integrative learning is nothing more than kids entering into a cooperative group and then being placed back into rows. Now, I might be wrong, but I do know that In most states, they all take a standardized achievement test, like they do here in New Jersey. And that test is given in rows, and it's it's proctored and monitored, and everything has to be perfect. You have to have a number two pencil and so on. If that, and it, it is absolutely been proven that kids have to take the test in the same, same type of environment where they were taught the material for the test. They're taking the test in rows, right? So why do we teach them so much in cooperative groups? My feeling is we have to integrate that. We have to put them in rows when we teach content for the test. And then we can move them back into cooperative groups for review and other things. But get them used to working in rows from time to time. Because as they get older and they go to college, they're going to discover that rows might be the thing, the environment that they're going to have to learn in. I was in many college classes. I sat in an auditorium with 200 people. So the idea here is get them ready for life. Get them ready to understand that, you know, not everyone's going to allow them to sit together and commiserate on different things. And if they're, going to be to, if they're going to be given the test in rows, teach them in rows. Strategy 26, understand the inclusion movement in order to address the needs of your special ed students. Inclusion is here to stay, and we got to take it seriously. It combines regular ed and, or as they call it now, gen ed, and some special ed students together in one classroom. The class has one regular ed teacher, one special ed teacher who co-teach. 
Special ed teacher modifies the lesson in order to address the needs of the special ed students. Now, this can create a whole host of challenges for both teachers. Hey, it's mandated, so everything must be done to ensure the student's success. It doesn't matter if, if we agree or disagree or whatever the case may be. This is a huge load of work. And as a gen ed teacher, maybe in an elementary school, you got to do everything possible to understand all of this. And I know most of you do. Now, the next 10 strategies are going to address some of the concerns that you may have with the combination of regular ed and special ed students in your classroom. You have to deal with students' abilities, not disabilities. Bada bing. Deal with what they can do, not with what they can't do. This is strategy 27, and it deals with the inclusion movement. Try to stay focused on the symptoms or the characteristics of these conditions, not on the syndrome itself. By focusing on the characteristics of the condition, modifications will be far easier. 28. Find out early what your students already know. Special ed students' ability levels should, you know, be in their IEP or their individualized educational plan. And it's accurate. But, you know, sometimes they may know more than what's in that IEP. So we have to establish um, the skills that they already have. We have to establish prior knowledge. And, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with reinforcing uh, material that they already know. But we have to find out what they know, then find out their needs and go at it from that perspective. And I'm going to cover all of these, so we may, we may be covering more than 10 strategies in this episode. Strategy number 29, under the inclusion movement, stay structured as possible and develop a daily routine. Students who have challenges love routine. And they like staying within the routine. I've seen situations where you, uh, an assembly gets held and it throws off the schedule. And some kids with autism or attention deficit disorder, they kind of get discombobulated, you know, when all that happens. And they either become a behavior problem or they get lost in the sauce. So what we want to do is we want to help establish solid routines for, our, for those kids so that they understand what's going to happen virtually each and every minute or during each and every uh, subject that they're, that they're taking in your classroom at that particular point. Strategy 30, keep it simple until you're sure they can understand complex stuff. This goes back to my thought on um, understanding basic reading, writing, and math skills. Let's keep it simple. You know, just give them the basic stuff. And then when you're sure that they understand this, okay, what we want to do is we want to then make it more complex. And once you're sure that the student understands their multiplication facts, then you can move on to division. 
and then you can move on to word problems, and then you can move on to other things. Strategy 31, under inclusion. Modify the student's work, but hold them accountable. You can make the modifications, but the student has to be accountable. That's as simple as that. We're making every modification possible to help the student learn, but they have to do the work. In other words, here it is. I've done everything I can for you. Now do it. Now, if they refuse to do it or don't want to do it, then we're working with an entirely different problem. But the idea here is if I make modifications, I'm doing it to help you. I'd like to see you put in a little effort. Strategy 32, under inclusion. Teach the subjects that you have command over and allow your co-teacher to teach to his or her strengths. Nothing wrong with that. Some, some teachers may be stronger in certain subject areas. Let them teach what they're strong in. You take the rest of the material. This makes it a whole lot easier for you guys to plan and to be able to deal with certain kids. Maybe, uh, and maybe you may have a, a co-teacher or you may be the one who can handle behavior problems better. Let them deal with it from their strength. Because if you're having trouble with it, you're going to have trouble disciplining kids, and they're going to go to this. They're going to go to the co-teacher anyway because they find him or her much more understanding. Thirty-three strategy. Thirty-three. Teach to the test. We all know it. We all know what we have to do. As I said before. What you want to do is you want to keep them in rows while you're teaching to the test. You want to also, during and I'm talking about standardized tests there, you're going to also want to teach to every test. And kids need to know what's going to be on the test. And they may need study guides. And they may need to understand what the questions are prior to the test. I had a great college instructor. He gave us 15 questions that might be on the test. And he said, or that were going to be on the test, he says, I'm only going to use 10 of them. So right off the bat, I got a bonus because I I had to learn five extra, uh, I had to understand five extra questions. And then the 10 questions that were on the test you know, I, I had it I had it done. I was able to get it done. He says, I'd rather let you, have you understand what you need to know rather than studying all kinds of stuff that you might not need to know. And make no mistake about it, kids don't know how to study. They do not know how to study. And you have to help them do that. And you have to help them build their study skills, included students or not. Strategy 34. Teach your students test-taking skills. Students who are included may not have had the exposure or the experience to a standardized test or any test. Set time aside to allow students to take a pre-standardized test and help them understand how to fill out the header sheet and how to follow along in the test booklet. 
and then provide instruction on how to answer multiple choice questions and how to begin to learn. They're going to have help initially, but how to begin to learn how to take a test independently. Strategy 35. This is under the inclusion movement. Teach students social skills when necessary. Some students who do suffer from autism or Asperger's may have difficulty expressing themselves and the time can be withdrawn or maybe they even act out. Introduce social skills and make them part of your everyday activities. In fact, these skills may be actually more important for some students going forward because if they they don't develop these skills as they become adults and they start acting out, it could mean a, a lot of different problems as opposed to the ones that they're going to have in your classroom. So help kids with social skills. Again, this is all under the heading of the inclusion movement. Teach students the basics of expressing themselves in writing. There's four basic methods of communication that everyone uses. Reading, speaking, listening, and writing. And as your students mature and move on from grade to grade, they can almost disguise their inability to read, speak, and be good listeners, but you'll never be able to disguise the writing. So what you want to do is you want to help them develop and understand what a sentence is, what a paragraph is, some grammar, spelling, how to spell well, good penmanship. And and if you happen to download the book, I've got a bunch of stuff in the appendix that will help improve writing skills. Now, this information on inclusion. I work with a wonderful gal named Toby Carton, and she's written a book called Inclusion Strategies That Work. You can get this on Amazon. It's Toby Carton, K-A-R-T-E-N. The publisher is Corwin Press, and the book is Inclusion Strategies That Work. Fabulous book. If you don't have it, please get it. You'll find that there's a, so many different things in there. These are my 10, and, and I've taken one or two, and I've modified some of hers. But she has got terrific material, and you should be downloading her book. You should be checking it out on Amazon, and you should be looking her up on the Internet if you really want expert information on the inclusion movement. My name is Jim Burns. And we've been covering everyday strategies. We've gotten to uh, strategy 37. We're going to end here for this episode. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. As I said before, these are teaching podcasts. You've just uh, been involved with um, the eighth in a 10-part series on everyday strategies, helping students and teachers become their personal best on the Anti-Bullying 101 podcast. Please take advantage of the resources that are in the episode description. Please visit the website, bullyproofclassroom.com. 
please take advantage of the free stuff that's there. Please take a look at a course. You will discover that there are so many things there that are usable to you. I'm linked right to a company called the Regional Training Center. The Regional Training Center offers graduate courses that are compressed to teachers that are already in the field, and you literally can complete a graduate course in two non-consecutive weekends. It's a great way to get get a master's or just take credits beyond your master's. I have professional development offerings on that website that meet the needs of just about any teacher in New Jersey and probably a lot of um, other states. Take a look at those. You can take them online. You can move through them. You'll get between 2 and 10 professional development hours uh, credit. Take advantage of that. Next episode, we're going to be covering part nine in a 10-part series, and that's going to be on everyday strategies, helping students and teachers become their personal best. You have been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns. Again, if you haven't forgotten it in the last 10 seconds, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Have a great day, everybody.